Entering the Freedom Hut. The St. Louis couple who defended their home are now in prosecutors' crosshairs. AOC has a theory on the crime spike that you need to hear. COVID cases are up in some places. What's coming next? Plus, Roger Stone got commuted and the Redskins abandoned their team name. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America great. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you very much for being here. An honor and a privilege, as always, to have you with me. I, I wish I could say that it felt like everything was trending in the right direction today. But, you know, at least here in New York, the weather's beautiful. It's the middle of summer. Things should be looking good. But there is, uh, there is a sense of real disconnection going on right now. People are not feeling good about what's happening across the country. So let's deal with that. Let's talk about what's real, what's not, where we should be concerned, and where they're just panicking for its own sake, and also all the lies that are out there, all the things that we're being told that are just not true. You know, you have two main threats right now. You have two main movements underway. Uh, One is the back and forth over all things COVID. What do we do about this? And we'll talk more about where some of the numbers are and and what we know about the disease at this point, what it's doing in the country. But I want to start with the second one today, if I could, which has to do with dismantling criminal justice. And I think that this has to be put in the in the proper perspective, because the, the Democrat Party is relying on a lot of lies and they're pushing a lot of narratives out there that if you just took a, a, a cursory glance at the statistics, at history, at facts, the data, you'd say, how could anybody be taking these positions? How could anybody believe that this is a good idea? A perfect example of this would be Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York, although I know there are many other similar situations across the country. Pretty much every large Democrat city is going through a, should we dramatically cut police funding and stop backing up our cops politically, uh, socially, culturally, that's what's happening across the country. And this is an entirely Democrat fabricated narrative. This did not have to happen. It was not in response to anything that was systemic, to anything that was all of a sudden a new you know, recognition or realization. But there are very clear reasons why they are doing this. There are very clear reasons that they're pushing this storyline. And part of it is is rooted in the rejection of the real miracle that occurred in America over the last 30 years or so, where more aggressive policing and punishment for people who break the law resulted in a plummeting, a plummeting crime, uh, violent crime rate nationwide. Not everywhere. There were some places that were stubborn, that did not have quite the same drop. Chicago and Baltimore and St. Louis and New Orleans. And there are a number of cities where gun violence is still far too high. Just violence in general is far too high. But they pretend that the lessons we learned here weren't really applicable going forward, right? That somehow we've reached this point where what got us to today is no longer uh, no longer good policy, 
and what we should be pursuing as, as a society. I mean, this is really important for the entire country as far reaching implications. Violence in the cities will result in uh, greater violence and criminality, usually in the surrounding suburbs and, and so on and so forth. So this is a very this is a very high level, high level effort to undo the gains made against violence in America uh, for the last 30 years. We've been on this steady decline, but now you're seeing in certain places a very clear jump up. And if they get their way with the defund the cops and all the different policy proposals that are out there right now, send social workers in. I mean, I'm watching videos on a regular basis here in New York of just the most horrific violence. And we're not used to that here. We used to be. But that's not the expectation that we've had as residents of this city for now the last, call it, 20 years or so. That perception has changed. New York, uh, a few years ago even, or really up until the last couple of years, has felt like it it is a very safe, large city. But you see in other places too, San Francisco and Los Angeles, it starts with the deterioration of the enforcement of all laws, right? The enforcement of laws against vagrancy and public urination and, you know, camping out on the street and all the and, you know, drug use in open air. All of that, the, the left decided that that was a those were all for humanitarian reasons. Those are all laws that should no longer be enforced. So you should have to just step over that vagrant and the crack vials or the heroin needles around him on your way to work. Sorry, that's on you. Your kid should have to see that on the street. And if you have a problem with it, well, you know, you're not being uh, humane enough. You're not being considerate enough of the of the underclass or of people who are in a tough spot. And if one of those vagrants decided to harass, chase or even attack you, that's just the price we pay for living in America. That's what the Democrats are telling people now. And we're all becoming quite aware of this, that the Democrat Party, they're not going to turn this back. They've embraced this narrative wholesale that crime is not a, is not the result of individual choice, that there's no good and evil per se. When you're talking about criminal justice, there's just misunderstood lack of resources. And, and these were all the old. This was the narrative from the left in the 60s and the 70s. And it led to our cities getting turned into hellscapes. And now they're forgetting all about this. Now they're they're pretending that we have not run this experiment already and they want to go back. And part of the problem is that with a lot of policies, you know, if it's a tax rate policy, you'd say, well, we'll see the lack of economic growth that comes from this. And there then at least we'll have data. But it's people having less money. It's really not. You know, No one's going to get look. No one's going to get shot over a change in the marginal tax rate, at least not directly because of it. The problem with what we're seeing right now is that there are lots and lots of people, our fellow Americans, who are getting killed because of this change in the way that we think about as well as fund and treat police. That's happening. And that we are emboldening a narrative of criminality that individuals are not responsible for their actions, that the real problem is that society has failed them. There's so much systemic racism that there can be no expectation that law enforcement can hold all people accountable for whatever it is they do when it comes to the criminal justice system. We always have to be 
looking at this on a, on a constantly sliding scale of, well, is this person from a really poor neighborhood? Did this person really have? Okay, now, now, you, now you're moving back to the old perception of criminal justice that led to thousands of people, overwhelmingly minorities, it's worth noting, who were killed, attacked, raped, assaulted. I mean, there's just, there's a clear trend in this direction. And once it really gets there, once it starts to get so bad that no one, not even Democrats, can ignore it, it's too late to just turn it around. You've lost experienced law enforcement officers you don't have people that are eager to sign up for those jobs you've you know you've changed the funding parameters the democrats are dug in and don't want to admit that they're a bunch of morons when it comes to this issue we'll get to the aoc comments about this in a, in a moment uh, but they're they're stupid beyond words when it comes to how to keep people safe in large cities this new narrative out there that the problem is cops there is no evidence or basis for this whatsoever. This is just excusing waves of criminality that have been happening for months now. This is saying, oh, well, if, if cops were only less violent or cops did a better job. And I'm also talking about the statue topplers and the Antifa and all. These are all left wing movements that are at war with the state. And why is that? Because they view the state is in the hands of Donald Trump. And I know it shouldn't not everything should be about Trump. But these leftists, these Democrats will burn this country down. And in some cases, quite literally burn parts of it down. If it means that Donald Trump does not get reelected. And I, I've never thought any politician is that important. I care more about what's happening in the nation and to our people than any specific individual being in power here or there. And that brings me to the growing feeling that we all are having now that we're going to have to take our own defense or our defense rather into our own hands. That self-defense is going to become a much more uh, a much more common necessity for people. Which is why you've had the spike in gun sales. But now you're also recognizing what it means for Democrats to change the narrative. You can try to buy guns, but in, in many cities it's very difficult. So that's part one. And perhaps even the bigger concern for a lot of people is that if you do buy firearms to defend yourself in your home, you may find yourself very quickly on the wrong side of Democrat prosecutors who are willing to sacrifice you and your family and your rights for social justice. They will do this openly. They're, they're fine with this. Sorry, have to send a message. You're not hearing a lot of sending messages to the thugs, to the barbarians who are not just toppling statues, but who are shooting people, killed a one-year-old girl here in New York City, a one-year-old child um, over the weekend, a one-year-old shot and killed. Uh, you know, de Blasio is still talking about how, well, we still we're moving in the right direction with the defunding of cops, even with the violence surging across the city. No serious person, no intelligent human being can think that's true. But de Blasio is a liar. These Democrats are all lying because they can't turn on their base now. They can't show their base reality. They can't tell people who are so emotionally attached to the Black Lives Matter movement that this movement has done nothing but make the country worse. Nothing has gotten better. Nothing has improved because of the Black Lives Matter movement which is not a surprise to any of us 
who remember recent history because nothing got better. Everything got worse the last time there was this movement. Oh, but we need professional athletes to stand or kneel or whatever in solidarity. Oh, the elites in Hollywood and in New York, they're all in the Hamptons right now in their mansions on the beach. We need them to virtue signal and tell us all about how much they care about this movement. But the people that are the closest to the ground here, the people that are closest to the actual action and the suffering that comes from it, do they get a voice in any of this? No, they'll be lied to by those who push this. And anyone who tries to stand up for themselves, as we see with Mark and Patricia McCloskey, they're the couple that were standing outside of that uh, very beautiful home in St. Louis, you know, holding firearms there. And, uh, you know, he had a he had a semi-automatic rifle. She had a handgun and the protesters, they claim, had threatened to kill them. And they didn't go looking for the protesters. The protesters broke into what is private property and were threatening them as they're having dinner and they weren't going to take it. So they stood in front of their home. They didn't shoot at anybody. They didn't fire any warning shots or anything. They just stood there as a show of force that they will defend themselves. They they are the target of prosecutors now in St. Louis. How can anyone feel safe in any city in America as a law-abiding and decent citizen knowing that the Democrat narrative of the Black Lives Matter movement is so powerful right now that they're trying to not just go after cops and make examples of them as they're doing in Atlanta by threatening to kill a cop who defended himself when attacked with a taser? That's right. The state is threatening to kill a law enforcement officer now because of a corrupt Democrat prosecutor who's also under investigation himself for all kinds of impropriety and just wants to keep his job. We know they're going after cops trying to make an example of them, but what about law-abiding citizens, people that just don't want to be murdered at the hands of the mob? Oh, oh, we're going to be told now that the mob, the Black Lives Matter supporters, don't kill people? What about the woman who was murdered, shot in the head, in Indianapolis over the weekend for the crime of saying all lives matter. Haven't seen that one blaring across websites. Haven't seen the news organizations all jumping on that story, have you? Murder for the crime of saying all lives matter. But remember, you're not supposed to think about that. You're not supposed to think about the cops who have been killed explicitly and directly by Black Lives Matter supporters. People that believe that the cops are hunting young black men and therefore the cops are legitimate targets for assassination. Officers Ramos and Lou here in New York City of the NYPD. Six officers in Dallas, Texas, all killed in one night by a Black Lives Matter supporter. There were more cops killed over the weekend. Not clear exactly what the motives were on that one. But you're you're looking at this now as a normal person and saying, how can anyone see this? For anything other than what it is, this is the power of narrative, the power of having the left seizing so many institutions, academia, media, corporate America goes along with this. Corporate America right now is complicit in the Black Lives Matter movements, uh, movements, actions and demands, which have made America nothing but worse. Everything that has happened since this movement mobilized has every major decision, every major action has made the country worse and hurt people, has hurt minorities, has hurt black men and women. That's quite a record for a movement that corporate America bends the knee to, you know, scrapes and begs and pleads. Oh, you know, we're on your team. We're on your side. They yell. 
I don't think Black Lives Matter really cares. Just as long as corporations do what they're told and fund them and write them checks. So that's right. If you have a lawful firearm and stand in front of your own home when a mob is threatening to kill you and your whole family, you will have, as we saw in St. Louis, investigators show up and seize your weapon as a show of, if nothing else, intimidation to let the public know what the St. Louis prosecutor here is doing and what you're going to see happening in cities and states across the country. In incidents like this, anyone who stands up to Black Lives Matter, the protests are going to always be treated differently and better than the individual who does not want to cower in fear by prosecutors. The state is now on their side. This is going to tear the country apart if we have a really, a really terrible incident. And it's only a matter of time. We already had one in Dallas. It was years ago, but that was a horrific nation shocking incident of somebody inspired by the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter, just assassinating cops. And then the movement petered out for a while. Then the movement died down. Do we have to wait for the next? No, no. What they're going to do now is just ruin cities. And a lot of people will get shot, including toddlers, the elderly. But it makes people like AOC and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi feel better about themselves and help their election prospects. So that's what matters. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. There's an absolutely horrific video circulating um, shared by the head of the Manhattan GOP here in New York City. Uh, She wrote it. I guess it's no longer safe to ride the subway in New York. And I'm not referring to covid. And it's just a guy swinging a knife around broad daylight, crowded subway train. And really, there's some brutal footage. I don't recommend you watch this because it's very the guy got got cut. Uh, Guy got cut very badly. And it's just a reminder that while this is happening, people like de Blasio are saying we really just need to use more social workers. Oh, that's the answer. When a maniac on the subway is swinging around a razor blade or a switchblade and stabbing people with it, what, what you really need to restore law and order is a social worker. That's what Democrats think. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Biden wants to uh, defund the police. He wants to... Call the cops the enemy, which you did the other day, leaving every citizen at the mercy of a socialist mob or a mob far worse than socialism was ever meant to be. I'm fighting against this horrible situation. I'm fighting and I'm fighting hard. And I want the Republicans to get strong and tough. He's right. He's right. Now, I'm, I'm worried the president certainly hasn't seemed like himself in the last couple of months. The issue of the deterioration, the the breakdown of law and order across the country would seem to be a, a perfect pitch down the middle for Donald Trump to just crush up into the upper deck. And yet it, it has been look, it's been a pretty weak response so far. I, I think the Mount Rushmore speech Trump is better on the statues than he is so far on the cops. I, that's just what I'm seeing. And I'm, I'm wondering what it's going to take for there to be a real sense of, of urgency here from the administration and from the campaign. Let's be honest about this, that this needs to move into a new phase. There needs to be 
a much, uh, much more aggressive support for cops and going after those who are engaged in criminal activity. And, you know, the DOJ might need to also start suing some district attorneys and some politicians for civil rights violations for, you know, let, let's get in there. Let's use the tools. It's one of the problems Republicans always have. Republicans win elections, then it's always okay. Let's reach out to the other side a bit and let's see. Uh, oh, we don't want to undermine the institutions. And then Democrats win elections and they're like, yeah, there are no rules except what we can't get away with with our own side. That's the only rule. And they do whatever they can do. Overreach. Go all out. Don't ask the other side what it thinks. Don't look at history or reality. Just make it up as you go along. AOC, who is a really good example of where the new Democratic Party is. I mean, you could argue that she is the, I'm going to say it, intellectual and spiritual leader of the new Democrat left. She's able to move the entire news cycle with one usually idiotic tweet. She's incredibly influential. You know, Pelosi still controls the machinery, but AOC is the next generation, and we all know it. She's from New York City. Or actually, I believe she grew up in Riverdale, which is a very nice suburb of the city. But, you know, says she's from the Bronx, which technically Riverdale's the Bronx. We'll talk about this another time. Uh but here's here's what she said over the weekend that I thought was if there was a a nationwide contest to come up with the dumbest possible reason for the spike in crime. You know, if you were trying to come up with the most ridiculous single statement, I don't think that you could do better than what AOC just pulled out of thin air. I don't think you could do better than her approach to the crime wave in New York City, what she says about it. Remember, this is her hometown. It's my hometown, too. I know this place very, very well. It is less safe. The numbers say it, and I'm telling you. Things have gone downhill here. NYPD feels like they can't do their jobs. You're seeing video routinely that is just indicative of a lawlessness, anarchy, and violence. You can't even keep up with how many people, you know, 20 people shot in 24 hours, 14 people shot in 12 hours. I mean, you keep having these statistics get put out and this is new, and it doesn't stop. Why does AOC think that there is this crime wave? Get ready for this. Your brain is going to turn into mush just hearing it, but we'll then put it, we'll all put our brains back together afterwards. Play clip two. Why is this uptick in crime happening? Well, let's think about it. Do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment in the United States right now? The fact that people are at a level of economic desperation that we have not seen since the Great Recession. Maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to, you're, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Um, maybe it's the fact that unemployment provisions have not been given to everyone. Maybe it's because of the fact that People have some people still haven't gotten their stimulus checks yet. Maybe it's the fact that it's like an even year and not an odd year. And like even years are like way scarier than odd years. H how many things are you going to throw out there? We all know what's going on. You idiot. We all understand what's happening here. A Democrat movement known as Black Lives Matter seized upon one bad cop in Minneapolis to mobilize the left during a pandemic when everyone's already stressed and scared and there's bad stuff happening nationwide and knew that the 
completely immoral, corrupt Democrat politicians and the public health experts that they make us listen to on a regular basis would say, oh, okay, well, protests are fine during a pandemic, but no funerals. You know, protests are fine, but no being with your loved ones in their last hours before they die in the hospital because, you know, COVID. But let's get everyone to get thousands and thousands of people across the country. Oh, that seems that seems fair minded. Um, No one stops to think or no Democrats will, will publicly admit that a huge part of the problem here is their policies, their decisions, their narrative, what they've been telling the American people has led us into the circumstance. But this is fascinating. AOC say maybe people have to steal bread and that's why there's an up, 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 up tick in crime. Uh, I told you about a one year was a one year old boy. Uh, so pardon me for the correction. One year old boy shot to death uh, overnight in a playground in Brooklyn. This was over the weekend. The child was sitting in a stroller with a group of people who were having a barbecue when gunfire erupted, the boy was identified as one-year-old Devel Gardner Jr. One-year-old kid shot at a barbecue in New York. Will there be any protests in his memory? Will there be anybody out on the streets from Black Lives Matter calling for an end to gang violence? Well, the problem with doing that from their perspective, from that movement's perspective, is that it would mean empowering and supporting police. And that's the one thing they don't want to do. But no, while one-year-olds are being shot at barbecues here in New York, a congresswoman representing a district in New York is saying that people are out there stealing bread because they're hungry because of COVID. No, that's not what's happening. That's not the problem. That's a, that's a, a myth. I mean, that, that's a... A conjured theory from the depths, from the recesses of AOC's wow brain. Uh, that's what's that's the truth of that situation. But this is what they'll tell. And there'll be there are Democrats who heard that. will go, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. People are stealing bread because they're hungry because of covid. That's why. No, no, there, there wasn't a there wasn't a big spike in crime until the Black Lives Matter movement got going. Cops were put on defense. And and then she went on in the same stream. It was it was amazing. It was like a a window into the mind of just a stupid lib. I don't know what else to say. The liberals that don't understand how the world works, don't understand law enforcement, law and order that uh, that that because they haven't been defunded yet, clearly defunding isn't the problem. Okay, moron liberals, let's talk about this for a second. They are defunding cops. What what sign does that send to the police when they're being defunded? They're being prosecuted way beyond the bounds of good faith law in, for example, Atlanta. They're being thrown under the bus constantly by mayors in places like New York or de Blasio. The moment there's a video that shows the NYPD having to get rough with protesters who are spitting at them and throwing rocks at them and all this He's always taking the side of the protesters. There's a spike in shootings. He's painting a, quote, mural. Here's the thing. It's not a mural. It's a sign. It's about as artistic as someone painting bus lane only on the street. Let's not let's not get delusional here. I I pointed this out. I was, oh, who are you to decide what's art? Okay, so my signature is now art. You know, my hair every morning is. Oh, well, that may be true. But I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. 
This is ridiculous. But this is what we're up against. And remember, it is it is years of pent up rage from the Democrat Party and the left all coming out now. They they want to wallow in the country's misery. They see all the violence. They see all the covid cases and the economy faltering and the recoveries in jeopardy. Millions and millions of people out of their jobs. They say, see, we told you this would happen because of Trump. So they're not even trying to get us out of this. You have to remember that the whole country is not united in getting everybody back to work in restoring law and order and in managing the real risks, but managing the covid pandemic as best as we can while still living our lives and moving forward. No, instead, we have the luminaries of the left like AOC saying things that are so shockingly stupid it's almost hard to criticize. Sometimes I hear things from prominent Democrats and it reminds me of when, you know, a drunk at the end of the bar starts screaming at his own reflection, you know, as he's uh, looking behind the bar into the glass. Well, what do you say to somebody like, I I don't know. How how do you tell them that their reflection isn't picking a fight with them or something? It's crazy, right? What, What do you do? How do you handle this? Well, you listen to them as they say things like this play. Here's what a world where police are defunded, according to sitting congresswoman from New York, AOC. Here's what a world like that uh, with defunded cops looks like. Play 16. Where we defund the police, where, you know, defunding police looks like I tell them it looks like a suburb. We actually fully fund and. uh, With with, you know, a lot of wealthy areas, their PTAs add millions of dollars to school operating budgets. So these kids aren't subject to a a school um, to prison pipeline. When teenagers go into high school in Westchester County, they don't get patted down. They don't have to go through metal detectors. And they have school counselors. There'll be five, six school counselors. So of course this doesn't happen. in suburbs. I would say this isn't reflective of the community. It's reflective of our policy and it's reflective of how we treat communities differently in terms of their investment. And so that's uh, that's what I'd say um, to that point. It's hard to think of a dumber approach to law enforcement and to criminal justice, but she's come up with it. It's it's almost impressive that she can think so uh, that, that she could think thoughts that are so incredibly inept, um, worthless, and and actually damaging. I mean, she's going to take everything in the wrong direction if she gets her way. But this is what our, our expectation is supposed to be. I guess nothing more than this. Um, what she says about schools has been said for years, for decades. It's not true. More money in schools doesn't result in less crime. Okay, D.C., which has traditionally had a pretty high crime rate, has probably the highest funding per capita for the District of Columbia, highest funding per capita in the country for public schools. D.C. just just shovels money at the public school system. Still lots of crime, particularly in southeast and northeast D.C. Lots of it. It's going to be like a suburb. No. Look at average household income, intact families. Look at a whole bunch of indicators in safe suburbs. And then look at indicators in unsafe neighborhoods in cities. 
What's the average per capita income, education level, intact family, drug abuse? You look at all these, look at those, and you'll understand why there are some safe suburbs that exist versus why there are areas of cities that are continually in the grip of crime and violence and despair. If you just move people from one area into another area, it does not have the effect that Democrats believe that it will. But this does go to a long-term plan here, which uh, Democrats have talked about for a long time. They want to start building. Get ready for it. This goes back to the Obama administration. Uh, They want to start building what are effectively subsidized and city low-income housing projects out in middle-class suburbs. Not going to do in the super fancy suburbs like Chappaqua, where Hillary Clinton lives, right, where the average house is over a million dollars. Not going to do it there. But they want to start building low-income housing sponsored by taxpayers in communities where, guess what's going to happen? The people that have the, the means and the wherewithal in those communities when the real estate values drop will leave And then they'll say, oh, look, I mean, this community, it didn't work as we thought, but let's move on to the next one. They never learn the lesson because they're ideologues who do not live in reality. They live in this conjured version. Liberals live in this conjured version of what they think should be this country instead of what is this country. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You know that I do everything I can to support the Trump administration on the policies that I think would be so beneficial to this country. And I appreciate the president fighting for us in so many ways over the last four years. But when I think that they're off base, as they have been with criminal justice, you know, I was right about this. I was against their criminal justice reform effort all along. And I was right. Okay, now they admit it. So I I tell you. I'm just going to hope that this is and I'm going to withhold my criticism on this because I'm hearing conflicting things. This this came out on Friday. The president in an interview, this is what he said. Play clip one. And I'm going to be over the next few weeks signing an immigration bill that a lot of people don't know about it. You have breaking news, but I'm signing a big immigration bill. Is this an executive order? I'm going to do a big executive order. I have the power to do it as president and I'm going to make DACA a part of it. But we put it in. And we're probably going to then be taking it out. We're working out the legal complexities right now. But I'm going to be signing a very major immigration bill as an executive order, which Supreme Court now, because of the DACA decision, has given me the power to do that. One of the aspects of the bill is going to be DACA. We're going to have a road to citizenship. Okay, so that's as an executive order, not as a congressional. If you look at the Supreme Court ruling, they gave the president tremendous powers when they said that you could take in, in this case, 700,000 or so people. So they gave powers based on the powers that they gave. I'm going to be doing an immigration bill. One of the aspects of the bill that you'll be very happy with and that a lot of people will be, including me and a lot of Republicans, by the way, will be DACA. We'll give them a road to citizenship. I've heard conflicting things about this. We shall see. I, I just let's be very clear. A road to citizenship executive or any, any road to citizenship is a very bad move. And I will oppose the administration on it if that's what happened. But we got to see what they're actually going to do. I will withhold until we know. 
But let's talk about. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, COVID-19, let's dive into the latest on this. Uh, If you look at a lot of websites, it's just one big uh, COVID panic fest. Uh, I'm seeing today uh, there was a story uh, in the British press, I think it was The Guardian, that heard him, that your immunity only lasts for a few months to this well, and, and that maybe a vaccine is only going to be effective for a season. So it'll be like the flu. I've said this is possible. We could face something like this. But we, we keep seeing all, all this panic, panic, panic everywhere about what we're going to do. And there is just a rejection in the media across the board of we can't stop this thing. That's that's the part of this that I feel like no one will say out loud and that it it is beyond the ability of a large, complicated society of hundreds of millions of people to stop this and especially to stop this without doing incalculable damage to itself as we move through this and as we deal with it. All right, let's let's look at some some numbers. Uh, the for the last 24 hours, according to the CDC, you had 62,900 new cases and a little just 906 new deaths. So deaths are up, not up to the point they were when New York was the epicenter of this. Um, but deaths are certainly higher than they were. Very concerning. There's reason to believe, based on the trend lines that we've seen in the past, that you're probably at a hopefully peak in this next week or two. I saw what was it, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who this guy's wrong. These people are wrong over and over. And then and then when you're like, wait a second, I'm not sure that I go along with your latest projection. Uh, we will hear from, you know, Dr. Gottlieb, for example. Well, you know, I'm an expert, so you have to listen to me. He's saying there's going to be a plateau so effectively, we'll, we'll be at a, a pretty high rate of cases and deaths, and it's just going to stay there for a long, long time. That hasn't happened anywhere else. So I, I don't know why that would happen here now. But if you if you see the incentives for always viewing the most negative, uh, viewing the situation as negatively as possible, it's very clear why this is happening. Uh, you have one just for the media attention. A great way to get attention. I mean, the whole Drudge Report now is COVID-19 is going to kill all of us. We're all going to die from it. And you might as well just give up now. That's basically read the Drudge Report. That's what it says. The for the libs, wear a mask has turned into like if we only wore masks, this would go away. That's there's just no evidence for that. I'm not saying that masks might not be able to reduce transmission of a certain percentage. Maybe it's two percent. Maybe it's 15 percent. You know, who knows? But even if everyone does that, there's still going to be a lot of this disease going sweeping around in waves. It's very similar in structure and transmissibility to the common cold. We have learned to live with the common cold. I know that doesn't kill people, but if you're looking at, at, at lockdowns, imagine if we were trying to prevent or, or rather we were going to go into lockdown as a society from something that is as present and transmissible as what we know of as a cold virus. This is effectively a cold virus that kills a percentage, you know, whatever, 0.05% over all those who get it. That seems to be what we're dealing with. I, I, 
and I don't think there's really any disagreement over that. You're also seeing, or I shouldn't say there's no disagreement. There's no, there's no evidence to prove that that's wrong. Coronaviruses include colds. And this is like a really, really bad and possibly lethal version of, of that. Just like influenza can be bad or it can be a pandemic that kills a lot of people, but it's the same basic structure of that virus. So, you know, you have to be careful with what you're seeing and hearing. And I'll get into the politics of this in a second, what you're uh, seeing and hearing from people about this, um, because now you just you have this this mask or else chorus has gotten so loud because the president wore a mask over the weekend um, when he was inside Walter Reed uh, Hospital. So people are saying, oh, my gosh, look at this. And, and you have all of these voices that are now piling on with all the deaths that have happened from this are Trump's fault and he hasn't done with the. No, he in fact, he did what the experts told him to do. You know, if anything, you see what Trump's responses to this. Uh, this has been all along. He's gone against his instincts and done what they told him to do. And now they pretend like he has not done what they wanted him to. And at the points at which he wanted them to, you know, people look at different countries all over the world. These are all inexact and often very sloppy comparisons. They'll say, oh, well, look at this. Other countries have managed to crush the virus. Implicit, uh, you know, implied in this argument is, oh, it's because of those freedom loving Republicans in America that we haven't managed to figure this out. And there's some very convenient lapses in the actual approach to data that supports that point of view. Like you're hearing a lot of this now. Um, New York is down to almost I mean, negligible numbers of new cases and, and very, very, very few. I think it was even zero deaths for a 24 hour period from COVID-19. And, and, and Libs, Democrats are pointing to this and saying, see, that's how it's done. Yeah, New York, you showed everybody. Um, some of you were writing into me when I was when New York was in the midst of the pandemic and I was living, quite honestly, in the most crowded part of New York City in one of the hotspot zip codes for New York City for covid uh, when it was at its absolute worst. I mean, most of Manhattan, where the island where I live, uh, was not hit as badly as some of the outer boroughs, except for the borough. That, I mean, except for the zip code that I was in. And you're running and you say, Buck, you seem so down. You seem. Yeah, because we had hospital ships floating by and they're setting up field hospitals telling us we're going to run out of ventilators and we're looking at, you know, uh, 100,000 dead in New York. I mean, the projections for New York City were. And sure enough, New York did have a really horrific time with this 35,000 dead. But if you look at this now and you say, well, Florida's done a really bad job in comparison to New York, that's just a historical Florida is still in the low thousands of deaths. New York is at 35,000 dead. It seems more likely, just to apply logic to it, that this disease ripped through New York City and was at, was at a period of effectively maximum spread across the city and now is spreading in other places. But that's not the same thing as saying New York was really good at dealing with it. Right? That's, that's not... You know, if, if I send out a battalion of soldiers and I lose 90 percent of my soldiers and then they're in another, in, you know, there's another battalion that's commanded by somebody else and they lose, you know, in, in, a, in a battle, 20 percent of their soldiers. I'm not a bet. I'm not a better general than that person. Right. I, I haven't done a better job 
than that other person. They're just losing soldiers now. I lost a whole lot of them before. That 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 seems that this is just logic. This is just a very straightforward approach to what's happening, and that seems to be gone with the, with the meeting of the Democrats now. Um, look, I I am I sit here as somebody who just reads about this as much as I can and tries to know as much as I can about it for for my own reasons, not even just professional reasons. Yeah, I mean, I I think this thing is really bad news. I have all along. It's lethal. It's scary. It's done tremendous damage to our country and our society. But I also know we will get through it. And I do know that the people that are pretending to have all the answers don't know what the heck they're talking about. When when New York City was in the worst, for those of you who live in Texas and Arizona and Florida and Georgia, which are all being hit very hard by COVID infections right now, when New York City was at its absolute worst, you could, I mean, I did not see a person without a face mask on, and I'm in the most crowded part of New York, or the most, you know, generally most heavily foot traffic part of it. I didn't see a person without a face mask on for two months. And it was still spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading. I, does, does anyone have a th- even a, a workable, intelligent theory as to if masks are so effective? Oh, well, it lessened the spread. Well, if that's lessening the spread, it's not lessening it a lot. Everybody, I mean, I was wearing masks. Everybody was wearing masks all the time. You really think it's that simple? Where, remember, the guidance has always been wear a mask and social distance. If mask wearing alone was this, was this r- really remarkably effective um, tool, why is it that medical doctors who have actual access, because they're dealing with COVID patients all the time, they need it, but actual access to uh, respirators and, and effectively devices that clean the air they're breathing and prevent particles down to the level of viruses from getting in they wear them for a reason people say oh the buck of even if masks only bring the, the case level down you know whatever the percentage is it's worth it really we're going to wear masks forever because it might limit transmission of this disease five percent ten percent over what it would be without it is, is that worth? And, and then I, I really need to know why we're not wearing masks during flu season every year. I, I need to know that, too. I mean, I'm telling you, they're pushing. They say it's crazy and they're not. They are pushing for masking for years ahead. That's what's going to happen. They have to. They love the control. They love the political separation between between you know Democrats and Republicans on this issue. Because, yeah, Republicans tend to be more individual liberty and freedom minded and having a government authority say don't wear masks and turn around and be like oh no you have to wear masks the science says it what it's not like they told us don't wear masks 50 years ago or even a year ago they said it six months ago and now it's if you don't wear masks you're you know you're basically murdering grandma again we just return back to the same panic the same nonsense there's another part of this, too. And this is this just goes to my philosophy around around a lot of modern medicine. And now I'm just this is my feeling on things. I'm just talking to you as my friends. And uh, we, we are all led to believe that doctors have almost like magic powers, you know, that they, they can do so many. And, yeah, there's amazing cancer treatments out there. There's stuff they can do that's you know so far beyond normal civilian knowledge. And, you know, there are amazing doctors. And I'm not I'm not saying that. There aren't incredible things, but there are huge areas of important medical knowledge where we, we just don't know very much. Huge areas. 
Um, and when it comes to virus transmission, look at the data and, and look at all the different studies. Are we catching this from large droplets, micro droplets, or surfaces? Medicine does not have, and they say it's all of them. Yeah, but is it 90%, 5%, 5%, 50-50? No idea. So we're making policy and all these decisions and yelling at each other, and people have even gotten shot over fights over masking, and we're making all these decisions. And yet, they don't know. Is it, is it spread through air conditioning systems? There are basic questions they simply cannot answer, but there is this certainty and this forcefulness with do what we say. And what they say changes all the time. And what they say changes not just based upon what's happening in the country with COVID-19, it changes based upon what the political needs are of the moment. And that's why, I mean, they have, I'm sorry, you know, Fauci and the rest of them have just obliterated their credibility because they were telling us that there was no, you know, not only were they in some cases justifying the protests while the COVID-19 was was still out there and spreading, but in some cases uh, they should just have been called upon. Fauci should have given, you know, a press conference or a statement where he's like, I, and I don't, it doesn't matter how important you think your cause is. People are going to die if you keep doing these protests. The unwillingness of the public health community to do that has destroyed their objective credibility on this issue. Destroyed it. And that's a rational response to their politicization. It's not, oh, we don't believe in the virus. The virus is a hoax. That's not what anyone's saying. But their, their demands on us and on our freedom and on our liberties, that is questionable when they're willing to change the guidance that they say is about saving our lives based on what the latest left-wing, virtue-signaling mob fad is. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I want to also give you an alternative theory that you won't hear in much of the media about why there has been this uh, spike in COVID-19 cases. Courtesy of Dr. Scott Atlas. One of the nice things about Dr. Atlas is that he has impeccable credentials. You know, usually the way the libs do things, they say, well, you know, this, this person it doesn't matter what their argument is. You know, we, we have a bunch of libs who you know went to Harvard. And so they must be smarter, even though these schools are all they're all just it's all a game. Now they're credentialing institutions. People come out of them completely ignorant. And a lot of morons go to the best schools in the country for a lot of different things. It's just true. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, but Dr. Atlas shared the following. This was up on Fox News. The recent surges in U.S. coronavirus cases can be traced to two key factors, crowds of protesters and proximity to the U.S.-Mexico border. Dr. Scott Atlas told the Hoover Institution over the weekend uh, of the Hoover Institution told Fox News over the weekend. Most of the cases in the southwest, California, Arizona and Texas are occurring in counties closest to the U.S.-Mexico border. When you look at the southern counties of California, Arizona and the bordering counties of Texas with the Mexico border, these are where most of the cases are really exploding. And when you look at the Mexico map and in Mexico, that's where their cases are. Their cases are in the northern border zone states. And it turns out the timeline here correlates much more to the Mexico timeline of increasing cases than anything else. Spikes in Texas, Florida and Arizona don't essentially line up with reopening. But Mexico's surge and the recent protests that have gripped the U.S. When you look 
uh, really closely at these so-called reopening policies, whether it's in Georgia or Florida or Texas, we didn't really see a big correlation of cases and hospitalizations from that. And he said, that's not really that's really not true. That's sort of some sloppy thinking. I think, again, we really have to look closely at why these things are happening. By the way, California didn't really reopen, yet they have cases coming up. Why is that? I mean, that's because these cases don't really correlate to that. They correlate mainly to two things. The big thousands and thousands of people with protesting, sharing megaphones, screaming. That's a setup to spread cases. And also, when you look at the analysis of the border counties, that's a tremendous amount of cases coming over the border and exchanging with families in the northern Mexico states. My friends, let me ask you this. Do you think the media will tell you the truth about the likelihood of the correlation of protests about Black Lives Matter and statue toppling and all this other stuff and the spread of this disease? No, because it, it undermines their emotions were the single most important factor for that for the left. Right. I mean, they, they were angry. They wanted to protest. So your life and public health and all that, that was all pushed aside because of racist cops. All of a sudden, the real pandemic was racist cops. Uh, this is intellectually indefensible and it's not true. It's reckless. It's dumb. People supporting this were being dumb and. Now we're to believe that all of a sudden there's a surge in all these states and COVID-19 cases, and it has nothing to do with the thousands and thousands of people who have come together uh, in these protests, screaming and yelling all day right next to each other. Remember, this isn't normal. out. I always say outdoor is very low risk. Well, not if I mean, if you're standing next to somebody shouting and shouting for hours. Yeah, may, maybe you can get coronavirus that way. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, no one's saying that being outdoors means that there's like a magic you know, safety shield around you from COVID-19. But it just means if you're being normal and going outside, going about your normal business, you're not going to get it. But there just does. It doesn't matter what the data shows. They will never. The media will never admit that protests had anything to do with this or that the U.S.-Mexico border has anything to do with this. Why? The narrative. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I, you know, I'm at a loss for it for, for years, but it's it's despicable. It's it's cowardly. When we look at the coronavirus response across the country, we see states, big states, mega states that could be nations unto themselves. Florida and Texas led by abject fools. They're going to be responsible for killing a lot of their citizens with the idiocy of of the policies. It's just it's a terrible time in the country with regard to our leaders. We have a we have a leadership crisis. We have a courage crisis in the country. And it's uh, it's too bad. And we see the damage that it's all done. Steve Schmidt's the dumbest person on TV. So it's not surprising that he's up. Notice that he's talking about very large states that have had a spike in covid cases. Wait, he he left one out. Which state did he leave out? He, he's going after Texas, which is a red state, although who knows how much longer, given what's going on in the world. And Florida, which is a purple, uh, the ultimate purple state, right? I mean, it, it's basically 50-50 Democrat, Republican. But notice that he leaves out. Uh, that's so stupid and people are dying. Why doesn't he bring California into the mix? Huge spikes in California and COVID cases in the last couple of weeks. Why does he need Oh, because he's just trying to score cheap political points. He doesn't really care about public health or anything else that's going on. Just just ask that question. How can he pretend to be knowledgeable enough about this to be mouthing off 
on the issue on television as a Republican, how can he do that and not know that California has one of the worst spikes of COVID cases anywhere in the country? Well, because then that doesn't line up with what they're trying to tell people, which is that people are dying because Republicans, because Trump. California is blue across the blue top to bottom in terms of state representation, in terms of who controls that government. California is the ultimate blue state, really, even more so than New York. And they never even really fully reopened. And they had a huge spike in COVID cases. And they're all, oh, my gosh, can you mask? They're all wearing masks all the time there. Big spike in cases. Any answers to this? No, of course not. But just the omission of California there tells you what you need to know about this person, who I do think is really one of the dumbest political analysts on television. I don't know him. It's not a personal thing. I just think he's a moron. Uh, But this is what he's saying. This is what he's telling you. Leave off California because he's on MSNBC. He's trying to tell people about bad Republicans. Really, I ran the McCain campaign. That was a great campaign. Got annihilated. Good job, buddy. Uh, So now that we have that. But, you know, if you want if you want Woody Harrelson to play you in the crappy HBO movie, you got to just do the Dems bidding. Got to got to be a fake conservative lib pet. That's what Steve Schmidt is. Good job. All right. And then we have some other people out there who are uh, making this, of course, very deeply political. And uh, it should be no surprise that they're going to keep saying, oh, here you go. Elizabeth Warren. Another. Oh, Alicia, we haven't haven't heard from Elizabeth Warren in a while. You know, know, because, oh, gosh, gee, gee, willikers. You know, she's just so folksy. I mean, she did was a professor at Harvard, but oh, she's just, she'll just crochet you a, a little DNC donkey to, to put as a tea cozy. Oh, sure. Uh, here she is on how terrible the Republicans are. Play 18. This is a time of tremendous crisis for our nation. And across this country, the fight to dismantle structural racism has reached a new threshold. We have seen unemployment reach the highest level since the Great Depression. And people of color are being infected and dying from the COVID virus at disproportionate rates. The Trump administration's response to injustice and to the coronavirus outbreak has been hateful, reckless, and incompetent. How? How? Well, what has he done that's... He did what they told him. He did the lockdowns. And then the states got to make their own decisions about reopening. And they, they were telling us that it wasn't up to Trump when they were when they when they didn't want it to be up to Trump. It wasn't up to Trump. He doesn't have the authority. Now it's Trump's fault. They said we were going to run out of ventilators. Now we got too many ventilators. They said we're going to run out of PPE. Nobody's run out of PPE. They said we're going to overwhelm hospital capacity. All of the gun. No one's had, you know, we're going to have to move ventilators around the country and all this. stuff. I remember all of this. All wrong. All wrong. Trump isn't using the Defense Production Act enough. Turns out, no, he did. We're giving ventilators away to other people. And now we find out that ventilators aren't even a, a really good modality, a good treatment option in a vast majority of cases. I mean, it's the absolute, absolute last thing you want is to put somebody on a ventilator who has COVID-19. So. What, my friends, are they talking about when they blame Trump for the oh, it's just it's all it's just the politics of it again. Where has Trump failed in his response? If anything, Trump has done what they told him, what the Democrats 
and the health experts who, as we know, unfortunately, you know, medical doctors, medical doctors who want to practice medicine, you don't really necessarily know their politics, but medical doctors who want to be involved in the public debate, libs almost across the board. Not a surprise. It's but but we can't have a real talk about this. And look, we have our. So many wonderful members of Team Buck, so many fantastic folks are in Texas listening to this show. And I know when things are really bad in New York, they're like, Buck, come on, it's all going to be fine. You know, and they're like, you should come out to Texas. You know, Texas has got this under control. Uh, Governor Abbott is warning of locking you guys down. Play seven. If we do not slow the spread of COVID-19 with that rise of hospitalizations that you're seeing in Lubbock, with the increased death rate we're seeing in the state of Texas, the next step would have to be a lockdown. The last thing I want to do, the last thing anybody in Texas wants to do is to see another lockdown. Hence, the best thing everybody can do is do this thing that is inconvenient of wearing a face covering, knowing that it will keep your jobs open, your economy open and your businesses open. I'm telling you with the with the face covering thing, if we mandated if we mandated that you will be arrested if you don't wear a face covering. I mean, if that actually became and I don't think that that's an impossible future for this country. I really do worry that that's we're going to start to head to this will become an arrestable offense because people will just be so panicked and so panicked. And and it won't be a defense to say, where's the science that shows that this is even an effective? Oh, no, just shut up. Do it. Wear a mask all the time. I'm never remember the president wore a mask and won't read your if you're around immunocompromised people, if you're indoors, if you're indoors in a place where there's pretty high spread of COVID and you're around people who are at risk, if you're around family members who are over 60 or have, you know, OK, additional precaution there. But it's all about risk mitigation and management, not just be panicked all the time and just do things for the sake of doing them. Um, but I, I think that even if we got to the point where you would have masks mandated under penalty of imprisonment and so then you really had effectively in an entire county or state, let's say 100 percent mask compliance. Two weeks would pass. We'd still have people getting the disease, you know, and, and then eventually it will start to go down. But it won't go down as fast as you would think, because if this is really effective, shouldn't uh, shouldn't new cases fall off a cliff? It'll just recede the way it's received, uh, receded everywhere else. And and then they'll say that, oh, well, you didn't you didn't comply enough. That's why our, our policy didn't work. That's the way that they'll always say that there's never enough masking. Masking has to be right because there's never enough masking for to test whether the theory works or not. That this is an effective tool. Forget about all the previous research. They're pulling research off of the web. I'm serious. Pulling it down. Peer-reviewed studies about how cloth mask coverings do effectively nothing for, vi- for aerosolized virus spread. It's, a, it's a basically a waste of time. They pull that stuff off. I've read it. I've seen it. And now it's gone. They'll pull these things down. Oh, yeah, no, we can't have that out there. That's, con- that's against the narrative now. Okay. We're supposed to listen to these people for how, how long we're going to wear masks? Just do it, do it for months and months and months, years and years. And yet, you know, New York had the high, had the New York and New Jersey are Democrat strongholds, highest level of per capita death of any states in the country. All Democrats left wing run. These places are just Democrat strongholds. Mass didn't save us here at all, at all. And this virus burned through New York and then moved elsewhere. To say that masks saved us is just lunacy in New York. So why would it save? Oh, well, you know, this is what we're being told. Just listen to the people are saying you're a mask truther now. I'm sitting here saying the, the, the CDC was saying don't wear masks five months ago. 
CNN was doing stories. You can see it. It's online. Yeah, no, masks don't protect you. Don't worry about it. And now I'm not even saying they don't have any they don't have any use or any utility. I'm just saying I got some questions and I'm sick of being told that this is the, the answer. And they act like none of that mattered what they told us before. Buck, things have changed. There's new data. Show me that new data. What new data? That if you ask questions these days, you're, you're an you're an you're an enemy of what they're trying to do. And so nothing else, nothing else matters. Oh, another thing is obviously they're trying to keep schools shut down. Betsy DeVos, the education secretary, said this. Play clip nine. Well, the CDC has also been very clear to say they never recommended schools close down in the first place. And they are very much of the posture that kids need to be back in school for a multitude of reasons. Uh, The American Academy of Pediatrics has said the same thing. Kids need to be in school. They need to be learning. They need to be moving ahead. And we can't we cannot be paralyzed and 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 not allow that or not be intent on that happening. I always hear about look at other places they've managed to, they've managed to uh, to conquer this disease. Look at other countries, and again, if we're talking about places in Europe like Italy and France and Belgium, and yeah, they managed to conquer it after it burned through their populations, killing a far higher per capita percentage than what we have here in the United States. So just don't ever forget that part of this. Germany and the U.S. per capita are pretty close. Denmark, Sweden. Um, well, actually, I'm not sure where Sweden is versus the U.S., but, you know, Denmark and Finland and Norway. But these are low population countries, low density countries, very high levels of public health and hygiene, very low levels of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. You know, we compare all these populations as though we're all the same all over the world. It's just not true. It's just not true. And how how much does having a healthier population affect even the ability of the disease to spread in the first place because people's immune systems block it from actually establishing the initial infection? So this all ties together. These are all things that are true. We all know that public health is different in various countries, but they'll they'll just sort of cherry pick. Look what they did in this place. Why haven't we done that? Well, I'll say, well, what about another country where they're having even more problems? They did exactly what you said. Oh, you know, it always always moves. Uh, European schools have been open for months and there's no evidence to show that schools are high transmission risk and that kids are are at any notable risk for this disease in school. But why are we having this debate? Democrats have their marching orders. Shut down the schools. The economy can't recover. Biden will win. That's it. That's the whole thing. Everything else is noise. Everything else. It's not about kids. It's not about safety. Noise. The school issue, just like with the protests where you saw that they will gaslight you. I mean, they will lie to your face. Oh, no, I mean, the protests, I mean, you know, that's good for public health for some reason uh, with the schools. Oh, no, it's, you know, it's for protecting the kids. That's why we got to do that. You know, it's the kids. No, it's not. It's really not. We know what it's about. Putting that Mr. Magoo senile fool Joe Biden in the White House so that the left has a puppet to control. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. No, I think what we heard from the secretary was malfeasance uh, and, and, and dereliction of duty. Uh, this is appalling. They're messing. They're messing. The president and his administration are messing with the health of our children. It is. We all want our children to go back to school. Teachers do. Parents do. And children do. 
but they must go back safely. And when we hear what the administration is saying, we know that they have no appreciation for the failure that has brought us to this point. Going back to school is, presents the biggest risk for the spread of the coronavirus. That's just not true. Does anyone want to, does anyone, you know, where's fake Tapper and the other serious journos over at CNN? Anyone ask her about this one? Oh, my God. Nancy Pelosi is really a stupid person's idea of what an intelligent, savvy lib sounds like. She just says, undermining dereliction. What? What is, she, what is she even saying? It's just blather. It's nonsense. Nincompoopery. Oh, my gosh. The schools. They're not going to open the schools because without the schools open, the economy is going to be on lockdown. And with the economy on lockdown, you know, they, it's good. Look, it's going to be really hard for Trump to win reelection, folks. And they know this. It's the whole. That's why they're all these people are psychos. OK, they lied about Russia for years. They're lunatics. You think they're all of a sudden going to become normal now? They were saying that Trump was a, a Russian tra- here. Uh, Adam Schiff, you know, with the with the cold, dead eyes of a shark. Always this guy just staring into the camera. You know, I just can lie about anything. And clearly I had no friends in high school or college. And now I'm just going to do the bidding of the sociopathic Democrat Party. And maybe people will like me. Uh, play clip 17. The president has this bizarre affinity uh, for Vladimir Putin, other autocrats as well. Where that comes from, uh, we don't know. In fact, we've been trying to find out whether it's because of financial entanglements uh, with people like Putin or Erdogan or Saudi Arabia. Um, We will ultimately get those records uh, as a result of the Supreme Court decision, but they will be delayed. Uh, And, you know, every day they're delayed, sadly, is another day that the country is at risk. But for whatever reason, uh, he refuses to accept or believe anything ill said about the Russians or Putin. Um, and, uh, and that endangers our country. It endangers us, I think, in Afghanistan. It endangers us in Syria. It endangers our allies in Ukraine. Uh, and it's uh, and just uh, dangerous, I think, for America. What is this maniac even talking? Oh, he's going to the Afghan Taliban bounty thing with Russia. How much crap can he fit into one soundbite? That's what you have to wonder. That's what you have to ask. They're back to Russia. I said, I told you, if you go back and you look at the transcripts or you download old podcasts, I've been saying, get ready. They're going to bring back Russia. I was saying it last fall. They're going to bring back Russia. And trust me, it doesn't matter that it was all a lie. It doesn't matter that it was all crazy. And here we are. Look, we're in a fight, friends. And the other side, to say they're not fighting fair is uh, a dramatic understatement. So we might as well get ready for this, the bare-knuckle brawl. But we did have one big victory on Friday. What is it? Oh, I'll tell you. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Got to bring you into the good news zone here for a little bit. Not one that's going to change your life per se, but it is one that's, hey, it's points on the board for the good guys, for for decency and for fairness. Uh, Roger Stone, who I've told you before, I like Roger Stone. I think he's a, an amusing guy and he's, he's fun to talk to. And, um, he's quite a character. 
he has had his sentence commuted by the president of the United States. So we now know that Roger Stone is not going to go to federal prison for three years for lying to the Mueller probe. Remember, the Mueller probe was an illegitimate partisan hack get Trump operation. So remember that it was it truly was. It was a witch hunt. Weissman, who is just a Democrat hatchet man, was running the whole thing. Mueller was just a figurehead. He was, you know, his testimony on Capitol Hill. That really broke the whole thing down. We all realized, wow, this guy has no idea what the heck's going on. Um, But but Roger Stone is still a convicted felon. So he's punished for this. It's on his record. He's punished for lying. But I mean, he lied about some minor stuff. And in one case, they really just refused to believe he was kidding when he was clearly kidding. Okay, they said he was witness tampering. They hit him with seven counts. I mean, the whole thing, it was so obvious. They sent the team to his home. They had CNN there. They had a SWAT team going in. I mean, the whole thing was just atrocious. And Roger over the weekend posted a video of him dancing in in just sheer happiness. And I've got to say, uh, I Roger's got some moves. Producer Mark, did you see it? He's got some not. funky moves. Better than Buck Sexton moves? I mean, his moves rival Buck Sexton funky dance moves. They were pretty good. I I was impressed. Not not the guy's got some stuff. But you know, look, all this means is that. A guy who's, I, mean, I think he's in his 70s or close to 70 now, um, not going to go to prison for three years, has a felony on his record, never should have been put in the position to even, he shouldn't even have to answer questions to the Mueller probe. The whole thing was absurd. It was wrong. There was no underlying criminality. It was all based on the lie of the dossier. The whole, the whole thing is just a nightmare, grotesque, sore loser Democrat partisan crap fest. The whole thing was awful. And Roger Stone got caught up in it like so many other people. And, you know, should he have been a little bit more clear or a little bit more precise in his answers? I would have liked him to. But the guy's not going to prison. And it's the fact that they originally I think they wanted to send him to prison for what was it, seven years? And the DOJ, I remember the DOJ had to step in and be like, guys, come on, you're sending him to prison for seven years. This is insane. Then they want to send him for three years. What? Um, But now he's not going to prison at all. You have the judge in this case. This was from The Hill today seeking a copy of the order commuting Stone's sentence. I'm sure, you know, a- any opportunity that they can take here, any opportunity that they have um, to just find some way to take this moment of happiness away. Judge Amy Berman Jackson. Oh, she's a big Democrat. Senate in order, she's seeking the document in response to questions from the U.S. Probation Office. Berman Jackson, an Obama appointee, what a shock, said she needs to determine whether the commutation involves the sentence of incarceration alone or also the period of supervised release. So she's trying to see if at least at least they can tag a supervised release onto this guy. Yeah, get him. Get him. Because he's a danger to the public. Appalling. Appalling. But you know what's great? Just bathing in liberal tears, all the shrieks over the weekend. Oh, my gosh, this is so terrible. Here's Nancy Pelosi. Play five. It's staggering corruption, but I think it's important for people also to know that it's a threat to our national security. The whole impeachment (laughs) process was about our national security. 
uh, why we are at the Supreme Court on these we're on the Supreme Court on these cases was to find out about the Russian connection, and we will continue to pursue that. This case was about the Russian connection. So what the president did, we will have legislation that says a president cannot commute or pardon uh, or offer clemency to anybody who commits uh, a crime, is convicted uh, of a crime uh, that affects the president's behavior and his culpability. Uh, but the uh, again, people should know this isn't just about lying to Congress. That means lying to the American people. Uh, it witness tampering and the rest. And it's about our national security. Producer Mark, that Nancy clip was too long. OK, you can't you can't do that to our audience, man. They're going to code red you on that one. I mean, heard enough less. We're, you know, we heard enough of, of crazy Nancy there in about 15 seconds. You gave her like 30, 40 seconds of nancy I'm just looking out for our team. OK, I'm looking out for our folks that much Nancy. And they may just they might just throw their smartphone or rip their speaker out of the dashboard and, and, you know, toss it on the freeway or something. I'm just I'm just trying to say it. Just giving you a little little, little friendly heads up on that. That was too much Nancy. They, they can blame me. It's OK. I'm just uh, I mean, you know. I'm just angry because I had to listen to Nancy for so long. She's horrible. It's horrible. It's about our national security. Oh, my gosh. Roger Stone. <laughs> Roger Stone going to prison for threatening some guy's dog or whatever in a joke on, on Twitter DM is about our national security. I, I, could she be more of a joke? The problem is she's not funny, so it's not even a good joke. Oh, my God. Gosh, it's just madness, isn't it? It truly, it truly is. There's no, uh, there's, oh, wait, wait, let's hear from, uh, from Adam Schiff, too. If, if you really want to feel like you've got to take a, you're going to have to clean your ears out after this. Like, if you can shower the inside of your ears between Nancy and Schiff, it's probably a good idea. Play clip eight. The president had been telegraphing it for quite some time, uh, but, you know, it, I think my reaction was much the same as many, many Americans, which is shocked on the one hand, not surprised on the other. Uh, it is a shockingly corrupt abuse of the president to commute the sentence of someone who not only lied to Congress, not only obstructed the investigation, uh, not only intimidated witnesses, but did so to cover up for the president. Uh, and. They won't let it go. This Russia thing, it doesn't it doesn't matter how many how many investigations have happened. Um, They are locked, locked into this. We're going to have to hear about Russia, Russia, Russia for the rest of our lives. There there is no escape from the Russia collusion delusion. If you are going to listen to Democrats, at least until after the uh, election happens. So there you go. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Republicans are the party of freedom. Democrats are the party of uh, socialism and worse. That's what's happened. Uh, The Democrat Party is a whole different deal. They tear down the monuments and they think it's good. They are the party of socialism. And you're about to see just how the COVID-19 response turns into socialism very quickly. Oh, my friends, I've been I've been warning about this. I've been telling you that this was going to happen. And now you're beginning to see this program. If you look at the Biden policy documents, if you look at the way the media is 
framing the issue of, of the massive budget shortfalls that are out there, right? We're all in this together. Well, you're about to all be in it together in whatever state you're in if they do what they're planning to do, um, which is enormous tax increases. Oh, yes. Get ready for that. Get ready for that. Wear a mask and pay all your money in taxes, Biden's going to say. That's, that's the way to a better future. Um, this is uh, Fox News today. State and local governments scrambling to raise money during the economic crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic are looking to increase property taxes as well as wealth and taxes to fill budget holes. The proposal wealth taxes, rather, uh, to fill budget holes. The proposals come as officials are trying to strike a balance. Yada, yada, yada. Wealth tax, baby. Get ready for it. It'll it'll be used against people who aren't super wealthy, but it'll it'll be used against individuals who are um, at that point where they have enough assets to take a chunk of, but not so many, so many assets that, you know, they're donating to Democrats. And so they're going to be covered. Right. Bezos is not going to be the guy that's hit hard by the wealth tax. The small business owner who has bought a couple of properties and, and accrued, you know, a half a million, a million dollars in, in assets or something there. That's who they're going to go for. They'll call the wealth tax. They'll they'll say is about people that make, you know, one percent of over 10 million of liquid assets or whatever it is. But the real wealth tax will be if you've paid off your home and you're that's and you've put decades into that. And all of a sudden, your property taxes might go up 30, 40, 50 percent. I'm seeing Nashville could raise uh, is going to raise property taxes this is Nashville, Tennessee. Tennessee's a red state, but Nashville's a blue city. 34% tax increase. Producer Mark, guess where the Freedom Hunt is not moving anymore? Nashville. Yeah. 34% property tax increase? Think about that. Already, property taxes mean that you rent your home from the government. Property taxes mean that... You never really own your home. You are just living there as long as you give the rent check to the ultimate landlord, Uncle Sam. And they're jacking the rent up on you now. This is going to happen in so many places. And the blue states that have refused to even try to reopen economies and get things going on a, on a timely fashion, they are going to be the ones that are turning around to the federal government saying, you know, give us money, give us money, give us money. And people are going to flee these states even more, even more. You know, I keep getting caught between wanting to be like the last guy in the trench before the, you know, the Germans overrun us in uh, in New York City. You know, the last conservative in the trench before it all just or like why don't Mark and I and, and, the, and the Freedom Hut team here? Why don't we just go to sunny Florida? We keep talking about it. Now it's looking it's looking like Florida. Governor Abbott has really uh, has really annoyed me here. So Florida, I think, is overwhelmingly in the in the top spot. But this is this is how you see the the redistribution of wealth mechanism is what comes as soon as the Democrats have the power. There's going to be massive wealth transfers and covid is going to be the excuse for all of it. Right. You're going to have and no one's even really figured this stuff out yet. You've had so many. Uh, individuals, particularly in cities that aren't paying rent, uh, you've had restaurants that aren't paying their rent to landlords. Well, those landlords have loans, mortgages that they have to pay off for those properties, usually, and they can't pay those now. 
And now the banks then, you know, what ends up happening? They're just going to be they're going to be moving around. Our economy is going to feel like a game of three card money. I mean, our economy is going to be just Democrats pushing money here, moving money there. You're not going to see you're not going to know. This is what this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen instead of trying to just let people get back to work and get back to life. The Democrats are going to want the government to be writing a check, which just means the taxpayers writing a check, which means your tax. Those of you listening to this who pay taxes, your taxes are going to go up dramatically if Democrats win. And I'm going to tell you the truth. They might even be going up if Republicans win. Right. So let's be honest about this. What is the Republican Party? Re- I'm just going to say it. What enduring legacy has the Republican Party's uh, control from 2016 until present left. Um, My friends, a tax cut is always temporary. Tax cuts you got while you're in power. Now, it doesn't mean it's not a good thing, but I mean, come on. The judges, okay, but look at Gorsuch. Judges are not some perfect panacea against overreach and against tyranny. So what are we really looking at here? What do we really got? What is the big policy victory that we have that will endure obamacare still exists friends right amnesty is probably right around the corner look at what the democrats and now was eight years to be fair with the obama administration and their accomplishments i think destroy the country or are in the process of destroying the country but look at look at what the republican party and this is not just a trump thing the republican party including the congress has delivered deregulation deregulation is great what do you think happens when democrats are in charge Re-regulation. Where's the big sweeping policy victory? Where are the fights in the culture wars? Where's the um, change in the law that affects the mega platforms of Silicon Valley that effectively dictate what speech is allowed and what's not? Where are the enduring conservative cultural institutions uh, and businesses that will withstand boycotts and the silencing campaigns? I mean, we have a lot of work to do. You know, the Trump movement, if Trump does not win, we will have had effectively this fall a four year reprieve from socialism and government overreach and the destruction of free enterprise, individualism and sovereignty, national sovereignty for America, too. Um, But it'll only be that a four year reprieve. It's it's not it's not enduring. There's nothing that stays once the Democrats take over. And really nothing long term has changed other you say, oh, judges, Buck. Yeah, you could have an Alito retirement, a, a Justice uh, Thomas retirement. Right. And guess what? Now you got a bunch of Democrats that are going to pack the court and you can't trust Gorsuch or Roberts. So what is the enduring? I'm not here to be a bummer. We'll have more fun stuff on the show tomorrow. I'm just telling you. Let's understand what we've done and what hasn't been done here. Look, I'll take four good or well, three good years and then a fourth crappy year over four years of Democrat insanity and, um, you know, the dissolution of security in cities and uh, an anemic economy and all that stuff. But let's be honest about where we are right now. I mean, we look if, if they I'm just going to say this and we'll return to this more this week. If they get amnesty through Republican Party's done forever, there will be nothing known as the Republican Party worthy of the name going forward that is the they they know this that is the top of the democrat agenda if they get unified congress 
and Biden in the White House. That's going to be number one, because then they get everything else after that. This is not an exaggeration. We know what the plan is here. Um, switching gears for a second. Producer Mark, do we know? I see now the Redskins, the football team, are dropping the name Redskins officially. And I feel like every time I say it, we're going to have to start bleeping it now, right? Because now it's, uh-oh, not woken up. Do we know what the new team name is going to be? I've seen a lot of rumors out there. Warriors was thrown out, um, but I, there's no official name yet. Warriors would actually be a good name. Yeah, Until but you're, you, there's also an Warriors. NBA team that already is the Warriors. So, Oh, yeah, Golden State Warriors, yeah. What do you think? What's, uh, what is producer Mark's choice? I mean, they haven't been relevant for 20 years, so it doesn't really matter to me. Wow, it's like that, huh? Well, I'm a Giants fan. I don't know, I like it. Dude, I, I like your, lo- your team loyalty. Like, I can't even get you, you know, you're like, nah, not, not saying a nice thing about them. Mm-mm. No, sir. Fair enough. Although I do think the Giants eventually will come under, come under assault for making uh, people who are vertically challenged feel not included enough. Yes, as a fat guy, I'm very offended by the Giants name. It's just a matter of time before the Giants name goes. So we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, I knew Redskins was not going to last. I knew, I knew that was not going to last. There was no way with the trend in this country that they were going to continue with that. I mean, Amazon pulled their merchandise. You see that? Amazon just said, we're not selling your merchandise anymore. Yeah, a lot of uh, places have done that that aren't NFL shop. Yeah, yeah I'm not, not surprised. Not surprised by any of that. Well, producer Mark, uh, as always, if you have any additional thoughts on what you think the, the naming should be, you, you let us know because you are our unofficial sports correspondent, because I'm going to know even less about sports going forward once they start putting social justice slogans on their jerseys. Then I'm really going to be out. All right. I'll always be the sports correspondent for you. Don't worry, Buck. I appreciate that. All right. We got to get to roll call. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Roll Call time, everybody. Thank you uh, so much, as always, for being here with us. Appreciate it. Great to have you. Uh, great to have you as part of the part of the action here. Uh, Producer Mark, um, how was your weekend? Tell us about some things. I mean, I don't really do anything other than watch TV now, Buck. Yeah, but what do you see? What was good? So my wife is obsessed with MasterChef lately, so that's literally all we watch. What is MasterChef? You've never seen MasterChef? It's a show on Fox with uh, Gordon Ramsay and two other judges where home cooks go in. You might actually be a good contestant. Home cooks go in and compete to be the next MasterChef. Hmm. Huh. Snow Princess would be way better than me, but I'd be okay. okay. Nah. Because I, I really, I really have, I have to do things a few times before I'm like it's camera ready, and I'm not good at like here is a you know a, a pickle, a kumquat, and uh, a roast chicken. Like make something, right? I mean, that's basically not really that's nice. what they do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't do that. I, I don't have that skill set. But it's fun on. to watch. I could never do it, but it's fun to watch. I saw Midway over the weekend, which I will say. Because that's such an important battle and they do a pretty um, there, you know, the history and it is reasonably accurate from what I can remember. I like that. 
And I think they do a decent job with the battle sequences, but the acting and the writing is terrible. Um, but it's still, I still liked it. I still, I still enjoyed watching it, even though I will tell you, it compared to Pearl Harbor, the movie, Midway is like Oscar-worthy. <laughs> so, Pearl Harbor is a, one of, I, I don't know, I absolutely, absolutely hated that movie. I thought it was so bad. This movie has the Pearl Harbor, Midway has the Pearl Harbor attack in it, but it takes you to Midway and takes you through the Doolittle Raid. So it's just a much more satisfying, you know, history experience. You know, in Pearl Harbor, it's like all of we all of this terrible things happen. We get all blown up. And then it's like, yeah, but the Doolittle Raid, which was amazing for what it was. But I mean, you know, not midway. The midway first thing you've is, liked in months. Yeah, see, I, you know, they're, they're out there. I also watched a YouTube special now content warning on this one. There are there's a lot of foul language. It's not for kids. And there's some it's very it's graphic. It's a graphic comedy special. But I did a red eye show on Fox News a long time ago with a guy named Sam Morrill. And he's got a YouTube special. Uh, I got this and I got to say I watched it and it, it is I'm con- do not watch it with kids. And some of you will probably be a little offensive. There are some offensive bits. But remember, comedy, we're supposed to say, all right, you're being a comedian. There's some offensive stuff. It is very fun. You know, producer Mark, you would like it. I would watch that. Yeah, Sam. And I Murrell, like that it's only like 10 minutes on YouTube. I texted him just to tell him because I, I, I've met him before. I know him a little bit from doing Red Eye with him. I was like, just, so you know, man, I thought your special was really funny. Those of you, if potty humor and not even potty humor, if edgy sexual humor with a lot of curses and stuff is bothersome to you do not watch it okay because we have you know this all we got a nationwide audience we got hundreds of thousands of people listen to this show so you know i i try to tailor the advice here if you want something you know family friendly this is the opposite of that um but if you're somebody that can watch you know late night stand up on comedy central and like some of it or any of the HBO comedy specials back in the day, I think you'll, you know, if you like the Dave Chappelle stuff, for example, I think you'll like the Sam Morrell stuff. I'll say that in terms of your, you know, I just don't want someone to be like, fuck, I'd watch the special and all of the language and good heavens. I know, I know this is not for you. But for those of you that are a little more into the edgy stuff, I thought it was very good. Um, for everyone else. Sur- what's up? For everyone else, you should watch The Floor is Lava. That's something else I've been watching. What's that? So it's a show on Netflix where you have to start at one end of the room and the floor is lava, so you cannot touch the floor to get across the room. Is this it's the good? dumbest show you've ever seen, but it's so interesting. That sounds kind of unusual. Exactly. Like, like, the floor is not actually lava, but, like, it's orange-looking and it spurts up at you, and you just if you fall in, any part of your body touches it, you're done. You have to... You, 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 the floor is lava. You're dead. I'm not actually dead, obviously. Right, right. right. That yeah. would, that, then that would be a really different kind of yes. show. Yeah, that would be intense. All right. So we got some recs for you. Midway, like I said, not a great movie, but watch. It's funny. The the critics rating on it is like 30 or 40 percent, and the audience rating is over 90 percent. So it's one of those movies. Like, critics hate it, but the audience is like, I don't care. Midway, we kick butt. You know? Sure. Yeah. So anyway. That's that's what I got on that. All right, roll call. Sorry, I got a little delayed. Dan, remember, uh, please do check out our Buck Brief, which is a video we're putting up on Facebook now, Monday through Friday. 
which is a if, if you want to have this whole show effectively in four minutes or the closest thing we can do to it, uh, check out the Buck Brief, share it onto your Facebook page. That really helps us out a lot. And also go to BuckSexton.com. We're posting stories there. I'm going to write an editorial for this week there. So, yeah, thank you so much. Please go hang out with us there. Uh, let's get to it. And remember to follow us on Facebook. If you're listening to this and you're on Facebook and you haven't followed the Buck Sexton page, I'm very sad to hear this. Go to Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. All right. And please follow it. Um, Dan, also that way when people write in the comments, you can, you can speak to other, other people from the Freedom Hut, right? You, you can all chat with each other there. It's great. Then, since 2016, I've lost friends, one girlfriend, and almost gotten into a bar fight because I was loyal to President Trump. But as COVID stretches interminably and Governor Murphy mandates outdoor face masks in my home state of New Jersey, I ask, where is President Trump and the entire GOP when we need them? Where is the DOJ? Where is A.G. Barr? Dan, I'm with you. I, I don't have a good answer for you on this. I'm very frustrated. So, you know, Democrats can turn the tyranny on and off as their political needs dictate, right? You want to go to a loved one's funeral, tyranny on. Bunch of lunatics want to protest and say cops are racist murderers and break stuff, tyranny off. They're allowed to do it. It's bad. It's a really bad situation. And I don't know why the Department of, I think the Department of Justice isn't suing and doing things that would help here because they don't want to be responsible for a change in these policies. They don't want to be responsible and then get blamed for for COVID if there's a spike somewhere and so on and so forth. That That's honestly what I think is going on. All right. John. Hey, Buck and producer Mark. I listen to you on Freedom 93.7. Woohoo! Out in Denver. Or download the podcast to listen to while I go outside for exercise without a mask in Denver, Colorado. I think this is the best show of all conservative media, including Rush, and have passed the buck to many of my friends and family. I were, well, John, that is really very kind, man, and we appreciate the, uh, the support and uh, the encouragement. It means a lot. I work in healthcare, specifically mental health, and I can tell you the cost of the lockdown has been enormous as it relates to suicide, addiction, and debilitating depression. I do not understand how the media, uh, media can continue to give Governor Cuomo so much positive airtime given the disastrous consequences of his policies. So who is really playing politics with people's lives? Shields high. Yeah, John, one of the issues of, of mental health is that we don't really have any, you know, when you're talking about a pandemic and the way it affects a, a respiratory disease like this, the way it affects people, hospitalizations and deaths, psychological mental health, while as critical a part of your well-being as uh, as the rest of of health care, it's you know, you're not going to see the same numbers that get attention. You're not going to see people aren't going to there are they're not going to die from depression. They'll die from a drug overdose caused by the depression. Right. They're not going to commit suicide. necessarily. Well, you know, they commit suicide because of the depression, but it doesn't go down as a depression death. It goes down as a suicide. Now, that's the that's one of the ways that I think it's very hard for people to really grasp the full gravity and severity of the mental health effects from all of this. You know, so that's what I'm saying. That's what I see. Uh, let's see what we have next. We have um, Jesse. 
Sir, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and I've only been listening for the last three years. Sorry I didn't find you sooner. Jesse, it's okay, man. All's forgiven. Welcome to the hut. Great to have you. I'm a resident in New Jersey who detests our governor as well as the entirety of the lockdowns. I'm a truck driver and I've been working throughout this pandemic. And while I understand there's a valid threat, our response was overzealous at the very least. I'm against this second round of stimulus checks and not because I do not believe they're needed for some, but more so because I'd like someone to show me how we're going to dig ourselves out of this catastrophic hole we've managed to create with our national debt. Congress took off for months, except for social media, without so much as a pay cut. Where's the equality in that? Shields high. Jesse, uh, an incredibly eloquent, compelling, and astute uh, email to us or message to us. Thank you very much for sending it in. Uh, You're absolutely correct. Uh, We have been overzealous in the response in some ways and at the wrong time. And I do think we've created real issues for ourselves here. Um, I think that we've we're not really grasping the economic consequences of the decision making right now because we're so focused just on getting ourselves past this. And there's a large portion of the country that doesn't want to get past it until November. That's just the truth. That's just reality. They don't want to get past it until Joe Biden can become president. So we. We have to continue to fight through this. Um, uh, yeah, but you're, I, I think you're absolutely correct, uh, Jesse. So I, I co-signed. Tatiana, hey, Buck, just wanted to share with you that I had a good chuckle over your mimicking Dr. Fauci, Biden, and Sanders. Well, listening to your podcast tonight, you're so good at it. With all that's currently going on, we need to loosen up a bit and have some fun. It's like having a main dish and a dessert. You are very talented. Thank you. Tatiana, that's very kind of you. We, you know, I try to do that. I, people... It's funny. I, I, I always get I get messages from some people who are like, don't interrupt your analysis. The important, incisive analysis is why I come here, you know, with, with, with the jokes and with the voices. And then I have other people who are like more voices, more jokes. We love it. You do plenty of the serious stuff. Have some fun. Come out to the coast. Have a few laughs. You know, that's so I'm always trying to balance this out. And some of it's a little bit mood based, you know, for whatever reason, like last night, I just didn't sleep well, I think, because I'm I think the anxiety of the whole nation sometimes infuses itself into my brain a little bit when I feel like things aren't going well for America. I really mean that. I mean, just the, the sense out there right now is negative. And I, um, so I, I, today I might've been a little more, a little more salty than I normally would, uh, or than I, I, than I tend to be, but you know, tomorrow, hopefully I'll have a good night's sleep and I'll come back and be all fired up and do some more. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci is one of my favorites now. I really want to do a whole sketch where it's like Fauci with Biden talking about the things and the, where do we go? What do we do? And then Joe Biden's like, he's just going to yell and just be confused. He's not really going to, you know, hey, man, I, sometimes I want to sound like a boomer who's trying to talk to the, 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 the young people. And I'm just, you know, yeah, man, I'm hip. I'm a hip cat. My name's Biden. And, and then you get Bernie Sanders, who has not forgotten that he's trying to bring the country to socialism. Because what could be better than only having one kind of tuna fish sandwich available. I don't want all these different kinds of tuna. It's crazy. So many choices in the market. Yep, I agree with that, Bernie. There are too many kinds of tuna. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Producer Mark, where are you on tuna fish? I really don't eat it very much anymore. I, I used to eat it so much as a kid. The smell even grosses me out. Wow, you're one of those. Yeah. Okay. It probably has mayo in it, right? You mean the most amazing condiment that exists? Oh, yes. The worst con- condiment there is? 
It's probably why I don't like we're it. We're gonna convert. We're gonna convert. Do you not even like spicy mayo on no, your sushi? No such thing as you're, mayo you're, in you're, my Look palate. at the savage. This savage that I entrust our our radio show and our community to here with his no spicy mayo. It's not as bad as not liking ketchup, and I know people who don't like ketchup. That I don't under. I don't even know how that's possible. Exactly. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Misty, don't presidents have to take a cognitive test before being sworn in? If so, there's no way Biden can be sworn in. We'd have to be of sound mind and body to enter into a contract. So should the guy who has control, so should, rather, so should the guy who has control of the nuclear button. Hey, the nuclear football is going to be in Biden's hands, but, you know, don't worry, because he's going to he's going to run a shotgun with that football and he's going to hit the, the wide receiver, but not going to get icing because he's not going to be offsides with the football. That's nuclear. Get ready for it. Democrats will excuse any level of absurdity, stupidity, insanity from. Uh, from Joe Biden, get ready for it. It's going to happen. Just out of curiosity, you do know offsides is also a football term, and you threw in one hockey term. Yeah, no, that was on purpose. Okay, you know, you yeah. just with you with your sports knowledge, sometimes I wonder. No, I, I figured you were going to call me out on yeah. that one, but I but actually that was with the bit. But I thought you, you were trying to say non-football terms and then accidentally used a football term. Well, well, it's it's football, but it's also uh, uh, soccer, my friend. So there are other places where offsides exist. That's true. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Huh. indeed. Okay, no, I'm, I, I, look, you know, I strayed into your lane for a second you and, you know, producer Mark, you know, I strayed into the penalty box and producer Mark wants to make sure that we know what's up. I get it. It's well played. Yeah, no, that, that one I did know. Um, I, I was watching some classic tennis last night. I think that's I'm just going to be one of these guys who watches old sporting events now. You said you were watching tennis, though. Yeah. yeah but oh, that's not, not an sport? old sporting event. What do you mean? Yeah. It's tennis. It's, you know, all that. I actually played some tennis over the weekend, other than the fact oh. that it felt like uh, uh, it felt like I was, you know, uh, the blob flopping around the court out there. Other than that, it felt, you know, my strokes were good. I just I can run for about five minutes before I'm like, oh, Papa Buck needs a break. You weren't getting across the court very quickly. It's not moving. You're going to have to start playing doubles. Oh, we were, oh, no, we were playing doubles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was doubles. Don't worry about that. It's like, oh, excuse me. Uh, I'm telling my brother, my mom, you know, oh, I need to slow down here. I don't know, I'm going to get back into shape. I actually got my kettlebells delivered to the house, so I'm not going to have any excuse because I have some outdoor space in my building that I can go to. And with kettlebells and some sunshine, I'm going to I'm going to drop I'm going to drop about 10 to 15 pounds in the next 90 days. It's going to happen. 90 days. I'd say 60, but that's aggressive. It's going to be 90. But I'll get back and because I've gained 15 over COVID, COVID 15. But I'll, I'll get back down to, you know healthy weight so there we go what happens when it get cold, gets cold out again oh and then i'm going to start just eating gluten-free cheese pizzas every night okay. and you know the cycle this it's the circle of life sure it's a circle of life the cycle continues all right everybody hope you've enjoyed the show today like i said please go to bucksexton.com please watch our buck brief on facebook make sure you follow our facebook page and we'll be back tomorrow and i'll be in a fantastic mood i assure you shields high